like I can't even imagine how you would get the ball through that. It, it seems impossibly hard, and everyone dies. People it's play the most hardcore with game their feet. that's ever been invented. And so I feel like if you can do that, then knocking a ball with your elbow or oh, knee that's like hacky sack light, Rob. Through a hoop on the side—it's <laughs> pretty fun. Volleyball, like a giant volleyball. No, no, a little tiny <laughs> volleyball. You play with have you not? Have you not seen the foot like the no. hacky sack volleyball? There's it's a, crazy. People I've do seen a hacky flips. sack, but not a tiny hacky um, sack sized volleyball. This guy Damn hippies, what will they come up with? First of all, Mike's gotta get to his beer, and then we can look at weird sports that exist. Hello and welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for your news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man whose favorite word is regicide, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who swears he could pull the sword from the stone if only he could just be given the goddamn opportunity, Mike Albright. Returning from trips around the world, the woman's so knowledgeable of Stonehenge, she might just pass as a druid, Emily Landis. <laughs> it wasn't built by druids. It was thousands of years before the druids. See? Damn exactly, it. people. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the man whose audio wizardry is so impressive, we might as well call him Merlin, the man far, far too handsome for the Lady of the Lake, Jesse Clark. Today is September 30th, 2015, and recording episode 63 for Queen and Country. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our new and improved website at www.blindtakerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. Our podcast is available on Stitcher, and we have moved our entire catalog of episodes over to SoundCloud as well. We provide news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out, and subscribe today. This week, we are celebrating the triumphant return of co-host Emily Landis. Having returned from the land of royalty and Harry Potter, we welcome her back into the warm embrace of a wet fall pumpkin beers and drunken recording. What ho! In honor of her trip across the pond, we are going to take a look, take a more serious look at British beers you can get in the colonies. So throw on your powdered wig and best Cockney accent as we open the episode with the following question. If you were going to share a pint with the Queen of England, what would you drink and why? So, Mike, are you quite ready to go first? Or should we throw it over to Emily? No, no, I'll go. All right, so <laughs> my answer, I mean, I think the, the Queen ain't no prissy bitch. And uh, I don't believe she would pull any punches when it came to her beer beverage of choice. I think that we'd probably go to, you know, some seedy pub somewhere and sit down right at the bar. She'd eye the bartender and go, Oi! Pint of the black stuff. <laughs> Sometime today would be nice. He'd bring back two dark malty beers, and we'd pound them back, follow it up with another round, and maybe have a shot to polish off the night. I mean, I'm sure overall she's a classy broad, but when it comes to beer, I have a feeling she passes on those frilly drinks and goes right for the meat and potatoes. Nice. <laughs> so you think she'd, she'd drink Guinness? <laughs> a pint of the black stuff? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, at, at her age, it's probably good for the health. No, that's true. Really? She's almost 90. Yeah. Good for the humors and what ails you. I don't know. <laughs> she might have started out her life believing that there were four humors. <laughs> this was an herb tonic when I was growing up. <laughs> this was dinner when I was growing up. So, Emily, what would you come up with? Oh, uh, I would not go too strong with the queen. You know, I feel like I wouldn't want to ruffle her feathers too much. And one of my favorite British beers... Uh, happens to be the Bluebird Bitter uh, by Coniston Brewing Company. Uh, it's brewed up in the Lakes District, uh, lovely location, and it is just a wonderful bitter. So, you know, I'd find we'd repair to 
a uh, a dark uh, British pub with mahogany walls, and um, you know we'd sit and get the bluebird bitter on cask, and it would be delightfully um, you know of room temperature and uh, quaffable. Uh, they didn't have it at Hunger and Thirst today when I went in. They were all out, and it's just a fabulous beer that I'm always excited to see there. I always buy a bottle when I go into their shop. Excellent. Yeah. I love how you had the the whole authentic British experience in the dark corner of a yeah. 250-year-old, you know, pub that's never changed. It's the same ownership for, you know, year, uh, generations. Sounds pretty nice. And bitter. That's a style you just don't see in the United States these days. No. They're going to have to come up sometime soon. When are we going to have the bitter revolution? Yeah. We already have the Goza revolution. I mean... Calling the next uh, trend now. Yeah, yeah as, as things <laughs> swing away from those giant IPAs, I wouldn't be surprised if people started taking a fancy to Wait, bitters. So IPA wasn't bitter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, differently bitter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Jesse, what did you come up with? All right. So, um, well, I was thinking of being more abrasive at first, I mean, because I didn't vote for this queen and go for one of the American Revolutionary, uh, the beers from Yards. But I decided that um, in light of our uh, our venture to um, Hunger and Thirst, where we had some delicious Hill Farmstead, I remember was reminded of my trip up to Hill Farmstead this, this past summer, where I did have their works of love beer, which is brewed with Earl Grey tea. Ooh. And so for the queen, I would... Would do a work of love. I would share this this Earl Grey tea with her. That sounds delicious. Beer. Was it good? It was interesting. I think it caught me off guard because it's like, wait, Earl Grey? Yeah. This is odd. Yeah, Bergamo. Uh, yeah. So it was a little. It was a little strange, but um, it, I mean, it was very. It was. It was a. Uh, it was only like it was a very low ABV, like three point six or four or something like that. Mm. So it wasn't much, but it was it was flavorful for sure. I prefer my Earl Grey to be much higher strength than alcohol. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. We should try to do an Earl Grey beer, and that's a that's a good idea. That's a good homebrew I've, challenge. Actually. I've been wanting to do a tea beer from when I first started because I mean, um, locally around here, meadow tea is always big, kind of around August, mm. big Amish tradition. I think brewing a beer of that would be really nice. Yeah, that, that Ruibos red tea oh, that you bought me would be really good in a beer. You know, I think that would be great is if instead of, instead of it would be an idea. Obviously, everyone does their creative thing on February, but if it were more of like like a, like a, an iron chef, but an iron brew, like you have to like, there's a secret ingredient, you have to use that somehow to brew a beer. Like, so it's mm-hmm. all themed. So it all mm-hmm. has like, oh, these are all different takes of Earl Grey. If we, I think if the we Lancaster Homebrew Club does that exactly oh, okay. that right. sort of thing. I oh. heard at their last club meeting in August, they had a coconut beer challenge, which was something that uh, uh, I recall Mike Albright doing quite well. He perfected his coconut beer over uh, four different batches. That was a lot of fun. Several of which ended in uh, <laughs> tragedy. Wow. Oh, yeah. Not oh, wow. not quite tears, but yeah. almost tears. No, there was and tears. Then the last when I, when I broke the like fermenter, amazing. I think that's when I was about to break down. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the third batch. Whoa. And it was going so well. And then, then the fermenter broke. It got emotional. Yeah, yeah it, did. it got emotional. And the fourth batch was so good, I didn't want to share it with anyone. <laughs> I started like squirreling away bottles here and there just so yeah. that uh, they'd stick around. Rob was perfectly okay with that. 
<laughs> I do just like coconut quite a bit. So but Rob, if, what did you come up with? Well, I was going to say before that, I'm going to make the obligatory beer Earl Grey cold joke because no one else does. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. All is right with the universe Thank now. Thank you. Yes, Wait, I don't know which get this. What? Tea Earl Grey hot from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, God. Captain, that's Captain Picard's thing. If you had a beer replicator, what would it give you? <laughs> I don't feel like Synthet Hall. Although there are days where I feel like Synthet Hall would be amazing because you get more beer under your belt in an evening yeah. without getting hung over. But, um, that's what it's called, Synthet Hall? Yeah, yes. that's what they drink. That's what they drink. How do I not catch that? <laughs> <laughs> but there's different kinds of right? Uh Well, yeah, you get your wines and whatnot. Although everybody there drinks wine for the most part, and then they have like Romulan ale, which is the, uh, the really, really cool. strong actual alcohol. What's there's, that? Um, the drink that Guinan makes that's like a sunset. Oh yeah, oh, the, yeah. something. I know there's the rise in Mai Tai or whatever. Yeah, but there, there is there is there is something. That's a deep cut there. I was a nerd. That's a deep cut. But there is a, a fancy drink called the Something Sunset. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I deeply appreciate all of your is knowledge. It like a of Star Trek. And, and that right. might be, it might be. So for me, it isn't often that one gets the opportunity to shore up the friendly bond between two nations that share a similar people, a similar culture, and a similar history. But sitting down with the queen of such a prestigious country makes things all the more dicey. It was a nearly impossible task to select a beer whose ephemeral qualities perfectly encapsulated the diplomatic yet warm friendship betwixt, betwixt two great states. A beer that would extend a warm, inviting hand of class, mutual respect, and a shared responsibility of stewardship of the entire planet, while at the same time complementing the fragility and respectability of the Queen of England, who will shortly enter into her 90s. It was in this spirit that I chose Tyranina's Falling the Queen as my selection. This 100 IBU, 8.5% ABV double IPA would offer the rock hard strength and potency of the American craft beer world. God save the Queen. While at the same time being crisp and refreshing enough to import a warm and immediate afterglow that lingers on the tongue. A beer that seems made for intercontinental diplomacy. That was graphic. (laughs) Both yours are kind of sexual. Uh, Jesse's. Why went Earl Grey? How well, was you, that you, you said something about love. Like, well, it's works of love. Works of love. Yeah, you're yeah, going to make sweet like, love to the queen. That's what I heard. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just dial this mental image down. <laughs> I, I searched for queen under untapped, and I saw that as like maybe the sixth or seventh option under names uh, for with with of beers with the word queen in that. And I was like, it's called Ball and the Queen. I'm going to write this flowing introduction about how sweet and gentle and wonderful it is and then drop the name <laughs> ball and the queen oh my god and it worked well you know uh the queen probably will share the beers that you've offered her uh with um with her friends namely her corgis yeah you know she pour a little bit in and, and let them lap it up i bet you anything pouring it out for the homies those corgis are so spoiled <laughs> not as spoiled as chelsea the cat no. <laughs> true Anyway, let's move on to a little beer news. Beer news. Mike, I think you got some local news. Yeah, uh, Trogues is actually expanding production. So Trogues Brewery has been experiencing healthy growth year after year, and they're approaching capacity at their Hershey production facility. Already producing around 80,000 barrels per year, their max capacity is actually only at 100,000. 
Shrugs is uh, currently in the engineering phase to build more fermentation tanks, which is the main bottleneck to increasing production. If you have driven uh, by or been to Trogues, you might have noticed large cylindrical silos standing behind the back of the building. These aren't for grain, but are actually where the beer is allowed to ferment, except for Dreamweaver, which employs that open fermentation tank located inside the building. With 20% growth every year, Trogues will need the extra capacity to not only keep up with sales in their current markets, but expand into new markets as well. States not currently being distributed to include West Virginia, as well as New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, and Rhode Island. Personally, I say fuck those guys. But bring on more nugget nectar. I'd, I'd even consider knockoffs. Uh, so I was thinking about like different nugget nectars, and I was kind of playing around the words. I thought maybe they could do a collaboration with Hershey chocolate and make nougat nectar. <laughs> nougat nectar. Yeah. Or, or okay, how about a crazy right wing NRA sponsored beer called Nugent nectar? <laughs> <laughs> it's got the stranglehold on I'd me. Pour I, that <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Give you a slow clap on that one. That was well played. Well played. I mean, good for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I do know that uh, Joel spent a good 40 minutes talking about his uh, hop trip to mm-hmm. uh, and go buy hops. Or, Ooh, a hop trip. Yeah. It sounded like it was pretty awesome. T- to he where? He was talking to me extremely... Where'd he go? Um, all over the place. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice trip out west. I think yeah, they were Pacific up in... Northwest. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Washington, Oregon area. Yeah. And it was, uh, from his perspective, really, really cool. He was also talking to me in a very, very loud bar with music, and I was a little drunk, so I didn't get all the details, but... Um, it is something that I'd love to drag him onto the show. Hint, hint, if you're listening, um, to actually talk about because that it seemed like it was a really cool way to like try to understand and get the hops because you it's before the brewing process, so you're getting smell. You're trying to get the you know the yeah. the resiny Plus oils. They're always and, hybridizing and coming up with new hot hops. I mean, I'd like to see that in process. Yeah, he actually got to. That's what he was really excited about. He was telling me about the experimental hop fields. Yeah, yeah. like they still just had like um, letter and number names. Oh, we should have him come and tell us about hops. You know, when we were driving through New York State, I did not realize that there used to be a thriving hop industry there. And you still see there's special buildings, hop barns, buildings that were designed to dry hops and hang them, kind of like, you know, tobacco barns that we see frequently in the Lancaster area. Really distinctive. And now they're all broken down and old because um, apparently there was a big hop blight and uh, all of the migrant labor... Uh, that relied upon it um, was out of work for like at least three years and the whole market just tumbled and no one's grown hops in New York State um, with quite the intensity since. I think it was in the 20s or 30s. But yeah, Google Hop Barn and you can see these structures. I knew New York was big into it. I mean, like Prohibition days. Yeah. So New York actually grows a lot of things way up there. It's a big state. Yeah. Cool. It's not just that one city. Apparently not. <laughs> Jesse knows he lived there. I did. In I- Ithaca. Uh, Ithaca. Yeah. Do you have anybody? Did you ever have anybody call that? No. No. You never heard anybody ask you where? I did call that that uh, clo- that town that was close by. Um, Binghampton. Binghampton. Nice. <laughs> nice. To the Hamptons with the Bing. The Binghampton. <laughs> you never had anybody ask you like if you like work in reading. Pennsylvania? Uh, they did ask. I was like, oh, I'm from Lancaster. And they're like, from where? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Lancaster. Lancaster. Well, another local news. The yep. Fridge is hosting a Victory Vital IPA release party. <laughs> so Victory's uh, pleased to announce a new IPA in to their lineup, the Vital IPA. Hmm. This is going to be released at the local pizza and bottle shop, The Fridge, uh, actually next Tuesday, so October 6th. Um, 
as at a big event. So um, Vital IPA is a fresh, crisp IPA meant to be drank as soon as possible and as fresh as possible. So the fridge will be offering it on draft and in cans. It's mm. actually Victory's second major can. Um, they had, um, what, Summer Love, and now they're canning this thing. Mm. So they're getting their canning line like up and running. What's nice. the ABV on that? Uh, no Details are actually pretty sparse right now, but it's pretty low. It's, okay. I think it's, yeah. people are think, estimating about 6%. Okay. okay. So um, yeah, I just grabbed their Headwaters in the can, too. So. Yeah, nice. Um, both great beers to have in cans. I love Headwaters. Um, so customers who were there for the to grab a pint at the fridge will get a free Vital IPA Victory glass while supplies last. So mm. definitely an event to check out next Tuesday. So it's Vital We Attend? It is absolutely Vital, vital That We Attend. <laughs> um, and considering... Um, <coughs> You're we'll good with the puns today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Last year was what all about right, the double IPAs right. with um, uh, what was it uh, Dirt Wolf and then what was the other one the Ooh. Hop Hop um, well, they, they had their Moving Parts series. Hmm. What was the other big one that they had that came out of Philly Beer Week? What they had the uh, Dirt Wolf? Hop Ranch Hop Ranch yes, yes. Yeah. Hop Ranch which Always is also another makes me think of the dressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> I hate the dressing, so it always makes me think of a ranch, which I think is what you're talking about. Could know, so, like a, a uh, hop dressing yeah. for a salad. It's hard to yeah, get right? over it. Yeah. Ooh, like a light oh, hopped ranch. vinaigrette. That sounds yeah. like it could actually be decent. Yeah, they should make a um, I'd buy that for a uh, French fry dipping sauce. Uh, Whoa. At, um, what's the place with all the dipping? Mad dip- Chef. Mad Chef, yeah. yeah. With a little bit of barbecue sauce. We should suggest sauce. that. Yeah. yeah. We should. Hoppy barbecue. Do with something ju- with beer and ranch. Indeed. Steal it back from victory. So, Mike, let's move on to a little national news. National news. So, I know this episode's mostly about Britain, uh, but why not talk about the Great American Beer Festival winners? USA. USA. That's right. <laughs> so, September has come and gone, and yet another large award ceremony has come to pass. The Gabith, or the Great American Beer Festival, has awarded gold, silver, and bronze for a wealth of categories, and there are a few Pennsylvania winners, Ooh. including one locally here in Lancaster. So, locally uh, winners, there was, what, seven... Eight, eight uh, Pennsylvania breweries walking away with medals um, in a variety of categories. So winning uh, silver in the Belgian and French style ale was Sly Fox for their Grisette, a beer I think we've universally panned here on the show. Yeah. But mm. it's been a while since I had it, so maybe I'll give it, an, give it another shot. Uh, winning the only gold uh, Pennsylvania won was in the Belgian style fruit beer from Saucony Creek, located mm. in Kutztown, for their reserve ale peach and ginger saison. Oh, huh. I think it's an interesting combination. Yeah, definitely an interesting combination. Peach and ginger. I mean, it's like you have sweet and you have that like bitiness of the ginger. I don't know if that would go well, but yeah, apparently it does. Yeah, they kept it nice and sour with the peach. You know, that's that's a nice stone fruit flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be. It would, be pretty good. And then in the uh, winning silver in the Belgian style strong specialty ale category was Iron Hill out of Chest- Chestnut Hill uh, for the Cannibal. It's a very. It's kind of a dark name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not uh, quite like balling the queen, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just kind of picturing is there, human, is there some aspect of humanity in there? Like, are they secretly putting in people's hair or skin right. or something into the beer? Does it eat other beers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, winning for the Belgian... Just brewer's tears. Uh, oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> One of the brewers fell into the pot. That's what <laughs> winning for a Belgian-style triple ale out of Pittsburgh is the Church Brew Works for their Millennium Triple, which mm. I think they're a little late to the party at the word Millennium, but... Mm. Oh, we should go to the Church Brew Works. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time so since close, I've been there. in Pittsburgh. And every time I go out there, I never think to go out there. They I always forget about it. Fantastic food. I remember that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, it's uh, winning in the Munich style Helles category with Susquehanna Brewing Company out of Pittston for their Golden oh. Cold Lager. Golden Cold, I like that name. Uh, winning in just the specialty beer category was Marley's Brewery and Grill out of Bloomsburg for their Pack Dog Peanut Butter Ale. I'm pretty sure I've seen that before. Hmm. I, I think that's highly decorated for some reason. That's cool. uh, a popular one. That won bronze, as did the Golden Cold Lager. Uh, winning silver for the Vienna style lager from Adamstown is Stouts Brewing Company for their Oktoberfest. Oh. And then last but not least, winning in the Imperial Stout category, which seems to be popular, especially in this county, is the Iron Hill Brewery out of Lancaster for their just Russian Imperial Stout. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and so just looking at some of the other states, I mean, you have, uh, I think they really kind of went West Coast heavy. Uh, obviously, they usually have it around West Coast towns out there. I know Oregon had like 20 or 30 breweries on there that won. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked up Vermont real quick, though, and they only had one brewery winning. Really? So suck at Vermont. Yep. It was uh, a silver in the like Pilsner category uh, from the Von Trapp Brewery. Oh, Von Trapp. Yeah. Did Hill Farmstead and Lawson's not enter in order to win? Well, it's possibly. Maybe they didn't. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's kind of one of those. Like, I don't think they uh, just choose from any beer. I think you actually have to participate yeah. and send in your beers. So, yeah, maybe they just said, you know, nah, we really don't need to win awards. We know it's good. <laughs> we know it's good. They don't need <laughs> that. Yeah. Could be. Any uh, particular, because you can uh, sort by style, state, metal, any styles you want to see? Anything you want to know? Well, I wanted to add that um, while it, the brewery itself is not native to Lancaster, um, a guy I graduated from high school um, and a friend uh, opened up Lucky Envelope Brewing at, in uh, Seattle, I believe it is, and they won third place for their Hellas Lager, yeah. um, who, which is cool. Who lucky has a envelope. Lucky Envelope? Yeah. Um, you send them away. You don't hold on to envelopes. Maybe it was received Maybe. like... <laughs> Oh, this is a lucky... <laughs> There's but it, more than one type of envelope. I demand an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things you could name a brewery after, Or maybe why it's not that type of envelope. envelope. It's like a sonic envelope. Like it's like how the, the sound happens, mm. the tactic-case sustained mm. release. You guys are not audiophiles, all right. Jesse would name his brewery after floor pillows. He has an obsession with pillows. You, you would have fluffy pillow brewery. No, I just have a lot of Indian decor, and I just went for Indian pillows. I'd drink your beer. Fluffy Pillow Brewery sounds fantastic. I was thinking of naming it after composers and their pieces instead. Like, oh, this is definitely Beethoven's Fifth. They all slept on fluffy pillows at night. No, that was uh, Wagner wore, like, pink silk everything, like, from his outer hat to his underwear when he would compose. Wow. Yeah. Total pink silk. That's fascinating. No, it's not. <laughs> he was a dick. You could uh, get a custom-made pink silk uh, uh, bed outfit and uh, lay your head down on a fluffy pillow while wearing it. I mean, I don't. I, I think that would be comfortable. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to compose in that. I, I think I need a little bit of... I don't know if I want to be relaxed when I compose. I need a little have the... Well, I like the idea of having fun facts about composers on the beers. If you yeah. did that, I would be intrigued. So looking up, like, say, uh, the Imperial uh, Pale Ale category, I guess it's like double IPA, uh, gold actually went to Fatheads out of Ohio for their Hop Juju. Uh, mm. I remember seeing that when I was out in Pittsburgh. I probably even had it. Uh, I don't think it was anything special, though. Fatheads. Yeah, I don't know. I don't put much stock in the Fatheads, but apparently they were good enough to win gold <coughs> in a pretty big category. Hmm. Um, I was looking up coffee beers. They all came from pretty much San Diego. Really? For whatever reason, yeah. All, all three medals. Uh, oh, here you go. Honey beer. Ooh. Winning gold is the Electric Stinger by the Tap Beer Company from Bloomington. Indiana. Yes. Okay. Also, Honey Chamomile Wheat from Nexus Brewery out of Albuquerque oh, and Spring Fever from 5050 Brewing Company from Truckee, California. Hmm. 
Yeehaw. Oh, what about the specialty beer category? Mm-hmm. Like the others. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious to see what's coming up in the others. So in the specialty beer category, uh, winning gold was Hog Cabin from Great South Bay Brewery. Mm-hmm. There's really no description, so just kind of have to use your imagination. Oh. Hog I Cabin. I, imagine, I, want, I want descriptions. I imagine maybe a bacon bacon flavor. I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Like uh, an oaky thing, maybe make a barrel aged. <clears throat> Winning silver was actually the hazelnut brown nectar from Rogales. Oh, and the, that is a good beer. I've tried that one yeah. before. I love it. Nice. And then uh, that bronze went to that peanut butter ale from uh, okay. from yeah. Bloomsburg. I thought there'd be more interesting things happening with adjuncts in that category. Uh, it, there might be, but they might be under other categories too. Like specialty beer, I really think is like we we don't know where else to put this beer, uh, and they have like so many categories now. Okay. Uh, to take a look pumpkin I, beer I, I guess it has Ugh. really diversified ha huh. oh this is very fitting so in the pumpkin beer category nobody won gold <laughs> uh, silver went to a beer called pumpkin grinder and bronze went to the great pumpkin ale so and no, and no gold oh wow that's yeah I'm fine with that I feel like they do that every year just to make a point like stop making these <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't want to drink them nobody wants to judge them alright well enough of that Oh, wait, do you have one more article? I do have one more article. Okay. Um, Sadly, Lagunitas Brewing Company is no longer a craft brewery. (gasps) What the? Yeah. Apparently, Heineken recently announced that they acquired 50% stake in Lagunitas Brewing. Yes. They sold out? Yeah. So, by the um, Brewers Association definition, there are three things you have to qualify for in order to be a craft brewery and uh, be recognized by the Brewers Association. Unfortunately, there's no legal definition, so you can kind of call yourself a crap brewery no matter what. But it's that you have to be small, and you have to be under uh, 6 million barrels of beer uh, or less in a year. Um, you have to, which is a 3% of all sales, which is crazy um, for the United States. Um, you have to have, it's traditional brewing, so you have to use uh, the... Let's see, it says a brewer that has the majority of its total beverage alcohol volume in beers whose flavor derives from traditional or innovative brewing ingredients and their fermentation. Flavored malt beverages are not considered beers. And then the final uh, tier is it must be an independent brewery. Less than 25% of the craft brewery is owned or controlled by an alcoholic beverage industry member that is not itself a craft brewer. So Heineken um, obviously does not count, and Heineken isn't even the parent company. I mean, the, if you go up the food chain, I'm pretty sure Heineken's owned by EB InBev, yeah. which means Lagunitas is ultimately owned by EB InBev. Yeah. The good news is that Tony McGee, who was the founder of Lagunitas and current executive chairman, will stay where he's at, and uh, the, they will keep their board and basically all their employees. Um, the company will continue to op- operate as an independent entity. So it sounds like they're getting into sort of the same deal as like Goose Island. Is it just a distro uh, deal then? Uh, probably. Lots of cash. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're growing extremely fast. Um, they are, in 2015, they're estimated to have been selling 1 million hectoliters of beer. Um, mm. So Hect- what the hell? <laughs> the article says. Well, that Hector. sucks. I don't know. They have two. <laughs> So they have two breweries currently. I still currently. love sucks. Their original one in Petaluma, California, and the other one in Chicago, Illinois, and they have a third one under construction in Azusa, California. So they're going pretty crazy. Um, they're growing like like crazy. So I guess they just needed money, um, and they wanted to have some distribution. So they're going out uh, the door like crazy. They just want a little something in their pocket. Hmm. Well, bad beard name. So Lagunitas—that's a big one. Lagunitas sucks, and it's no longer just an ironic. <laughs> Lagunitas sells yeah. out in 2015. I wonder if we'll see others come. So Tony McGee said, um, 
quote, this venture will create a way for Lagunitas to let Heineken participate in the growing craft beer category across its global distribution network in places from Tierra del Fuego and Whoa. Mongolia to the far-flung Isle of Lagerhans. Lagunitas will share in the best quality processes in the world and enjoy access to opportunities it took a lifetime to build. This alliance with the world's most international brewer represents a profound victory for U.S. craft. It will open doors that had previously been shut and bring the U.S. craft beer vibe to communities all over the world. Hmm. So I guess they just want they want to go global. Okay. Well, you know, if in ten years uh, all of the major breweries have bought out really good craft breweries and some of them have gone global gone big sold out and i go into you know any bar and can get lagunita sucks i guess that that is not putting myself on the losing end of things it's true i would be pretty happy about that <clears throat> the downside is that um several people complain that when ab InBev bought heineken that the recipe changed and um, and quality did degrade now it huh. seems like a lot of the guys um, like Red Hook, and Goose Island, and a lot of the other ones. I mean, of the news articles, this was the biggest name. But going through news for tonight's episode, there were several purchases by other big name. Molson was buying people, and IBM Bev directly was buying people. And it's happening. Hmm. As long as they're not mucking with the brewing process, I'm mm-hmm. okay with it. But the mm-hmm. problem is, is when the bubble starts to, sh- if, well, the bubble, quote unquote, if things start to shrink, if Goose Island sales start going down and the ingredients stay expensive, is AB InBev going to step in and say, you need to degrade quality yeah. in order to keep profits up? Oh, yeah. That's the part that You're worries right. me. As long as we're growing hand over fist, I don't think they'll care. But at a certain point, they might, especially if AB InBev keeps bleeding market share like they have been. Mm-hmm. That's that's chilling. So how many hectoliters was that? One one million? Uh, yeah, something like that. Okay, that's a lot. I mean, I just this website says that a barrel is about um, a little a little less than one hectoliter. So we're talking about like probably 850,000 barrels per year. So that's ten times the size of Trogues. Just to give you an idea. Damn. Yep. And Trogues ain't exactly small. <laughs> No, they have a pretty solid, like, they probably distribute to, like, 12, 15 states. Yeah. Well, with that, let's get drunk. Let's move on to our next segment called Beers from Around the World. So both Emily and I have traveled recently. I was up in Vermont and uh, under threat of castration was told not to (laughs) share any of the (laughs) delicious, delicious Vermont or at least New England beers that I brought back with me. Um, in exchange for keeping my nuts and not drinking the beer, <laughs> Emily has agreed to share the couple Dude, of... you have two of them. Come on. <laughs> She's agreed to share the couple of British beers that she managed to sneak back More customs. than a couple. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, We've got five different British beers. So the moral of the story oh, is... Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, drink in moderation because we're trying a bunch of different shit. My so. bag was marked overweight. Aww. Yeah. Wait. People were like, what are you carrying in here? I would say, Beer. They're like, oh. Yeast samples. I'm I'm yeast samples. samples. No big deal. Um, So yeah, let's uh, let's get to drinking. So I guess we should bring them all out here. Beer from around the world. Beers from a galaxy far, far away, brought home for your tasting pleasure. First, let me tell you about uh, the London beer scene. Uh, so when I went to London, uh, a whole bunch of people, including our um, our guest, uh, who brought us back the West Lutteran. Oh. Remember? Yeah. He told us, if you're going to London, you simply must go 
uh, to the Bermondsey Beer Mile. So I did. I took his advice. And uh, it turns out it is a, um, a part of London that is uh, undergoing a revival. It's in the southeastern Lee portion. It is a full mile. Uh, you have to Google map it because it's a little meandering. Um, most of it is under old rail lines. So you'll see the, the arches of the, the bridges that hold up the rail line. And uh, underneath them are a plethora. Yes, that's right. A plethora <laughs> of breweries and, um, and uh, food, food joints. Lots of street food, lots of beer. Uh, so I walked it. And it was delightful. So there's, they're, they're all breweries that brew on site, and most of what they were offering, they only served on tap. So it was catch as catch can when it came to things that were bottled. Um, but they had a fabulous bottle shop along the way, um, and I managed to pick up um, a good sampling of beers from the Bermondsey Beer Mile, although not all of them were actually brewed in London. Um, so we're going to start out with the one that was brewed in London. Um, this is from the brewery Anspach and Hobday. Um, it is a delightful uh, brewery, and their logo has a little pigeon wearing a bowler hat on it. So you see this pigeon and bowler hat everywhere on their T-shirts, on their taps. Um, very adorable. They say don't judge a beer by its cover, but I have a <laughs> feeling you did. <laughs> and what we're drinking from them is a smoked brown, or hold on, a smoked porter. We're drinking a smoked porter. Oh, that's um, an interesting style. On their website, they say that uh, their vision is to brew and curate the best beer and put London back at the center of the map for beer in Europe. Hmm. So I get the impression that um, London's a bit on the defensive. Um, they're known for their beer, but they've been eclipsed by other parts of the world in terms of brewing lately. Um, and so they're getting back into it, and this is the epicenter of their revival. Um, and so all of the hipsters were there, all of the Euro-fabulous beer-loving people um, were waltzing around um, out on the streets going from brewery to brewery. Um, they open at 11 a.m. on Saturday and then it's open till about dinner time. Few of these places have any sort of amenities. I was drinking beer like on top of a trash can, like in the alleyway. Um, they have very sparse amenities. You go in, there's maybe a table or two. Um, a lot of people are just standing around and they're roped off and there's there's cops to make sure that no one gets out of hand. So they're just patrolling the cops? streets. Cops. Okay. Uh, so cops are patrolling the streets and they have their, their little beer scene sort of carefully cordoned off. <laughs> um, but then you waltz down the street and go to the next one. And if you're lucky, you can pick up some, uh, you know, potato chips or um, snacks along the way. But then there's um, there, there's a big street market where there's tons of international prepared foods, and you can you can chow down um, in between bouts of brewer- breweries. For our British listeners, Emily meant to say Bobby's instead of cops right. and Bobby's. crisps <laughs> instead of chips. That's awesome. But, uh, exactly. So, uh, so Lawrence recommended going down here. Lawrence yeah. Polly from Cool. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, on this podcast, he recommended Excellent. that Excellent. we do the Bourbon Z Beer Mile. Oh, it sounds like the uh, camera is doing really well. The, the campaign for Real Ale seems like they're actually you know getting people more invested in good quality beer in london so it smells very interesting it's like a musky male's cologne i mean i get the smokiness campfire in there and then very malty mm-hmm. yeah it does smell sort of like mm. a doctor i used to go to oh did he smoke a lot no when i was younger it was just he, he smelled like a man mm. and that's just this is what he smelled like hmm. it's a lot subtler than i was expecting i was almost like most beers that smell this way in America, you're, you're thinking Russian Imperial Stout that they're just gonna like bam and hit but, you in the face. Yeah. This is much more like an actual porter where yeah. it's sweet but 
I, I still get that campfire smoky flavor, mm-hmm. um, Sweet. but it's subtle. Not very viscous. Uh, there's a bitterness there too. It's kind of sharp. It's not like a hop bitterness, bitterness so much. Hmm. Do you get that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that it, they, they hopped it pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think that for a smoked beer, it is um, very drinkable. I mean, you could drink yeah. a pint of this, no problem. You wouldn't be like, oh no, no more smoke. Um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it just came out of the uh, the smoker. It's not meaty. Um, it's it's relatively light. I think it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, very nice. Yeah. On Spock and Hob Day. <clears throat> On Spock and Hob Day, brewed in London. That sounds that, that sounds like some kind of British speak that I just don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, it was exciting to see all of these new brands. I mean, I didn't recognize any of the breweries. Um, when I'd been to London on previous trips, um, you know, you're used to Fuller's London Pride. Um, I toured the Fuller's Brewery a few years ago, and it was an incredible experience. Um, they have so many beers. We usually get only the ESB here in the U.S. We don't we don't get London Pride, and it's such like a part of the London experience. Every bar you go into, oh, you know, I'll have some London Pride. They had a wide variety of different beers at Fuller's. Um, many of them cask conditioned. And um, they just seem to dominate the market, and now that's not the case anymore. Um, I wouldn't say it was as diverse a scene as uh, as the American scene, but I would say it's really like up and coming and happening and exciting right now for sure. Huh. For a tiny little island in the North Atlantic, they're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that sounds like a backwards compliment. <laughs> For a godforsaken island. That's probably what they said back in the 1600s, too. Like, yeah. I was really surprised. Um, the color is actually uh, very dark, um, and I was expected it to be like thicker. Like I'm, I'm looking at this beer thinking, by appearance and smell, much stronger. But um, it's not. It's actually, as Emily said, extremely drinkable. Um, so I'm actually very thoroughly impressed. I would um, happily drink that all, dear, all day long. And... Um, uh, higher carbonation than I was expecting. Most Whoa. of the uh, British beers I had yeah. when I was there Speaking were which, lightly carbonated, uh-huh. and so having something that Not tastes, <laughs> tastes like an American IP or you know tastes like an American beer is always a a fantastic thing. Yeah, Emily just opened that can and it exploded all over. Yeah, so. uh, I just opened some cans. Uh, the the first one comes from Moore Beer Company. This is spelled M O O R, and uh, they are actually from the Somerset area. Um, it's, uh, from a former dairy farm, uh, beer company started in 1996 and actually sold in 2007 to an American couple that yeah. took over the brewery. <laughs> Pureism. Um, they have a passion for beer and the local area, the Somerset area, uh, and a tendency towards fusing the wonders of real ale with the aggressively flavored beers of their native California. Uh, so you're going to see some influence there. And what we're drinking here is a red. You said it was a dairy farm? It was a dairy farm. Um, And now all of their beers are unfiltered. Um, This is something they believe in strongly, and they're also marketed as being uh, vegan because there's no no finings in it. There's no eyes in glass. There's nothing that they're doing to filter the beer. So totally unfiltered. More beer company. Because there's definitely a funk there in the nose. Oh, yeah. I'm talking like... You can smell their litter box. It's like (laughs) litter box, but there's also like, you know... Somebody that had cheese in the fridge for a long time, and it went kind of bad. This is 4.6%, a modern red ale called Confidence. Honoring those who inspire others. 
Right. The packaging is awesome. Yeah. Um, the can itself has some sort of like small little, um, what like leaf pattern or, or floral pattern on it. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a very light. It's actually textured. Yeah. Light gray on top of a gray, and then the the label itself is sort of printed onto the can and feels very, very very interesting. Um, and so when you feel this, you can feel the label um, printed on there. It's kind of cool, um, which is really really neat. It adds a texture that you can really feel and. Um, it's just a classier can than what I'm accustomed to, Very especially classy. over here, which is neat. But yeah, I agree with you guys that uh, there is like a subtle cheesy smell yeah. in, in the in the in the nose here. Hmm. On their website, it says all our beers are unfiltered, so they retain the yeast that is vital to producing exceptional flavor, as well as providing vitamins or vitamins. We are the leaders of Britain's unfined, quote-unquote, natural beer movement, which you can read lots about on our dedicated web pages. So they have a blog, um, and they do go on about the, um, the health benefits of unfiltered beer. All those B vitamins. <laughs> um, I mean, for the appearance, it's, it, it's cloudy. Um, you know, uh, darker than a um, tired hands, uh, certainly. Oh, yeah. It's definitely more of a brownish color than yeah the definitely typical. brown not really red so much yeah i mean there's a hint of it there but it's definitely much more brown um the little, taste is awesome i'm uh, loving this beer a little thin for me a little thin in body mm. Mm. i wasn't wild but i'm sitting there thinking of the beers that i had two years ago and uh both of these are sort of like hey hey a couple of steps have <laughs> gone up since i've been there um yeah all right. i feel like they have up their game very quickly um, so I am I am thoroughly enjoying these. Um, I would say that these are something that if I would have pulled them out of like um, you know the fridge at the fridge or you know Friendly Creek or something, I'd be like, yeah, on par. You know, four dollars. I'm happy with this beer. Five dollars. Happy with this beer. Hmm. Um, yeah, really good. Very good. I like the porter better, but you know. <clears throat> okay. Uh, would you like to try another beer from the same brewing company? Um, I have Ooh, a more beer called Illusion. Yeah. Uh, which is actually a session strength version of a black IPA. Huh. Powerfully hopped on the dark side. Break your chains. Ooh. Only at 4.5% though. To me, the dark side. <laughs> Come on. I'm very pleased that these are sort of like a, a swallower two <laughs> per beer as opposed to drinking a whole one of these. That'd be a world, whirlwind tour of all of the beers that we may, may be sampling this evening. So sorry, on on Spock and Hob Day was actually from London. Where where is this one based? More beer? Are you sure that's no profanity? Yeah, <laughs> Somerset. <laughs> Somerset is where more beer oh, right. company Somerset. comes yeah. from. M O O R. It probably is British slang for there's something dirty. Yeah, ball in the queen. Or yeah, something. give me an on Spock and Hob Day. <laughs> <laughs> illusion. Is there a little bit of that left. Yeah, use your illusion. Oh. Ooh, one and two, please. Did you just make a Guns N' Roses reference? No, it was actually Arrested Development. Yeah. A trick is something to hoard us for money, Michael. <laughs> this is much Use your illusion. <laughs> this is a dark, dark brown. Hmm. What style is this supposed to be? This is a black IPA. Oh, Can right. conditioned with live yeast, unfined, unfiltered, and unpasteurized. I can see that live yeast. Yeah, it, this looks like, kind of like the, the porter, the first porter we had, so... Uh, definitely dark. Yeah, definitely very husky. Bit bit of that smoke flavor to it. I like this one. I mean, this especially for a session ale, this would be nice just to drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. This one's one of my favorites so far. Mm. Oh. Oh. I just took my first sip. I like this a lot. Yeah. It's not overdone. There's mm. a nice bitterness on the end. Mm -hmm. It's very refined. A little punchy no, it's there. Unfined. <laughs> 
<laughs> this uh, beer is an awesome product of Eng- England, is what it says on the can. That's a joke because most Englandites don't consider made in England to be a mark of pride. <laughs> there is an IT crowd where uh, a fire breaks out in their office and they go to use the fire extinguisher. That's and in the, in, within two seconds, the fire extinguisher itself is set on fire. And when Moss goes to look at why this might be, it says made in England on it. Mm. And he goes, oh, of course, that makes total sense. And uh, But yeah, this is actually a really great beer. I lo- the name Illusion is pretty funny. I like it because it looks like a much darker beer. And then lo and behold, you're drinking a delightful IPA. All right. Well, um, to follow up on more beer company, we're going to shift over to uh, 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 Cloudwater Brewing Company. And um, this company is based in uh, Manchester, England, and uh, they are focused on the changing seasons. Um, So on their website, it says, um, each beer brings with it an invitation to enjoy the scarcity and the abundance our natural environment offers. We want to showcase the ebb and flow by using seasonal ingredients at their very best and taking inspiration from the change of lifestyle each season creates. Um, so they're very modern in their design, um, and actually their bottles are super cool. Um, they have uh, images of nature. These are like the ultimate Rob photos. It's like images of nature that are blurred out, and then they have like a really cool modern-looking logo that's like a cloud with water underneath it. So it's Cloud Water Brewing Company. Um, and what we're going to start with is a U.S. Hopfen Weiss which has received very high ratings on Beer Advocate. Hopfen Weiss. So actually, this list of design maker on these cans from the More Beer place, uh, if you're interested, it's ichbinben.com. I-C-H-B-I-N-B-E-N. Ichbinben. I am Ben. Yes, essentially. Also, can you tell me what the hell this symbol means? Oh, no fish. That's that's no Isinglass. It's the the oh. the fact that it's vegan. Isinglass oh. comes from a fish's bladder. So there's a lot of people that are very concerned. If you talk to vegetarians and vegans, there's websites where you can check very quickly, look up the beer, and confirm that you can drink it or not drink it. So okay. um, that's just like an upside down fish uh, in a glass with an X across it to indicate no eyes in glass. Because I got like the recycling logo. I got the uh, pregnant women shouldn't drink this logo. Uh, I didn't understand what the glass with the fish sticking out of it meant with the little line through it, but huh. that makes total sense. Ooh, this is funky. Cerveza. It's a corny smell in there. Um, it's very, very light in color. It's also fairly cloudy. This is more tired hands look. Yeah, the, yeah, that is spot on, Jesse. <laughs> uh, a little more head, and I would have absolutely declared this is a tired hands beer. I want to see the Rob label. It's actually too dark for tired hands. <laughs> Oh, I'm holding it up to light, man. man, man oh, yeah, man. this is totally a Rob label. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I'm going to put that on a shirt for you. <laughs> you love it, don't you, Rob? <laughs> Go ahead. You want to marry it. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I would be down with this. <laughs> I'd put that on a t-shirt and wear it. Yes, there is a corniness out of that wheat beer. So this is a modern Hoffman Weiss beer Ooh. with seasonal bergamot lemons added to both the kettle and the fermenter. I have no idea what a bergamot lemon no. is because I thought bergamot was the essential ingredient in Earl Grey tea, but maybe there's lemons, bergamot lemons? What is that? Whoa, that Ber- is surprisingly sweet and a bit corny. Oh, bergamot. Ber- bergamot. <laughs> 
Pokemon. Yeah, no. Wait. Hmm. Maybe maybe there's supposed to be bergamot, comma lemons. I don't know. But yeah, actually, this is a fantastic beer. It's a creamy mouthfeel. Uh, it's lemony, but like whatever the hell those bergamot lemons are. Yeah, um, I'm googling it they're, now. They're not like your strong sour lemons. It's like a very floral, soft lemon just taste. Just a touch of citrus. You know, it's just like that. Yeah. Just a touch of citrus. Not that you're even remotely sour. Um, it's surprisingly sweet. Um, smells great. Smells kind of candlish but not in a bad way you know you know what i mean kind of like a, a nice fragrance i you know if you would have asked me what the style would have been off the top of my head i would have been like this smells like farmhousey or saisani yeah. not um yeah i probably would have guessed weedy. that too now i could see why that's highly decorated that is very good yeah that's a very good beer is there still some left? Um, yep. yes there is there's actually a lot left go nuts um yeah this is actually you know what this reminds me of new glarus um, we had the new Glarius beers that um, uh, Joel and Carrie brought back. Um, had I think one of their hmm. we had one of their farm or Cezani farmhouse beers, and it reminds me quite a bit of that, which is a high compliment because I really enjoyed those beers as well. And if Jesse, you want to recreate this as your first beer on your new kit, um, it gives you the style, the ABV, and the volume, like a lot of beers do. But it also gives you the type of bittering hop used, the type of aroma hops used, the malts, and the yeast. Well, are they easily acquired? Those the ones. That uh, yeah, I mean, I imagine. I mean, they even give you the yeast thing. So this, these are all you can pretty much get at the homebrew store. All right. Yeah, I I like how foamy it is on top. Um, it's really light, and it, that goes well with the zesty lemon flavor. Um, I'm getting a little bit of vanilla in here, mm. um, and there's it, there's some nice floral notes as it goes down, really easy, um, and it's just got I don't know I guess a creamy lemon flavor to it. Um, yeah, this is I'm nice. I'm looking on uh, ratebeer.com, and it looks like they've got a 90 overall, and they're classifying it as a Weizenbach technically. Huh. What's the IBU on it? That is probably the only thing I don't think it says. Okay, because I do have a bitter flavor in the name, but I don't know if that's the the black IPA hanging around or not. Yeah, it's not listed. ABV 6%. Oh, no. Hops fade fast. Most enjoyable before the 19th of September. No! We're only 15 days, 14 oh days behind. Oops. I bought it on the 3rd of September. <laughs> Holy shit, really? Wow. Yeah. Day after my birthday, I was on the beer yeah. mile. Woo! <laughs> yeah, the aroma hops are Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic. Three big winners. Yeah, they're not hard to get. Hmm. Mosaic. So uh, the other offering from Cloudwater Brewing Company is... <laughs> That's a big one. Oh, yeah. God, Emily. <laughs> Let <what>? it out. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty pitiful, actually. Ah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the guys. We've wow. got a cream ale next. Are you yes. excited? Cream it's ale. a cream I ale. I do love cream ales. Mike can tell us what distinguishes a cream ale. Oh. Bubbles. Well, cream ales tend to be uh, hybrids. Well, sometimes they're hybrids or sometimes they're just actual physically mixing like half ale, half lager. Mm. Uh, traditionally, that's how they're done. My cream ales I made for like the brew crawl were always actually ales. I just kind of used like a different type of yeast or didn't make it overly hoppy. I know that uh, the homebrew kits um, that Janine's used for the homebrew crawl, you don't even steep grains. You just go straight into the boil. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, really? Yeah. It was just like, all right, bring the water up to temperature and throw, throw some uh, 
it's you just put liquid malt extract in with uh, the, with uh, the hops, and then you're good to go. So it's interesting that you don't actually really start with a, a wort base. You just kind of hit the boil. It's already there in concentrate form. Well, it's nice for time. Yeah, and it's good for you know beginner brewers because you don't have to worry about you know temperatures and maintaining a temperature to steep the grains properly. Which so is when also she when she did her cream ale, did she cold condition it? Uh, because I mean, it is considered like a Ooh. an ale, so it's like the top uh, fermenting ale yeast. Um, but there has to be a period of lagering or cold conditioning um, to achieve the style. Um, yes, but not intentionally, because mm. uh, she did brew it as it was getting colder. So <laughs> uh, it did get colder in my basement to allow for that sort of uh, lagering process. But I don't think that was necessarily um, intentional. Mm. I do need to get a fridge for my basement to lager beers. So I've never done it. Beer technically called summer range or is it just cream ale? That is their like summer seasonal range. Mm. So they classify all their beers according to the seasons and then, you know, they're in and out. Gotcha. Um, so they don't brew anything year round. That's their shtick. Oh. Cool it's kind of like an anti-shtick. Yeah. Oh, that's very light in color. I like that. Yep. Now this is a tired hands color. Very, very yellow. <sighs> it smells like beer. This is getting a nice. little little bit of a hoppy smell in there. A little bit. No, I, I definitely get some nice like um, citrusy hops on the nose. Hmm. What actually? What's what, that's the hop advice? Where's the uh... so the bittering hop in this is also pearl. Uh, the aroma hops are Citra, Amarillo, Amarillo, Eldorado. Mm. Mm, I love Eldorado. Mosaic and Centennial. Malts are Euro Pills, Clear Choice Pale, Clear Choice Extra Pale, Flaked Torrified Barley. Wow, this has a really interesting flavor to it. This is actually more traditional. I'd say this is actually very cream ale-like. Um, kind of reminds me of whatever cream ale um, Six Point does. I forget which one they call it. There's a bit like a sweetness layer that then totally gets washed out for a nice bitter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, It's nice, yeah. though. It's light. I mean, again, a very accomplished beer by obviously a brewery that knows what they're doing. I think I like the Hop and Vice a little bit better, but this mm-hmm. is very nice. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement. Um, it actually finishes, now that I've had a couple sips, very bitter, which is interesting. Mm. I wouldn't have expected that quite so much from a cream ale, but... Um, when it's in your mouth, mm-hmm. there's like an interplay, a uh, complexity there that I actually really like. And then yeah. it's like, whoa, where did this sort of hot bomb come on the back here? Yeah. Um, I think cream ales have to be up and coming. I mean, they, they're they such a delicious beer. Um, they're rarely off for me. Like I would say I like 95% of cream ales. I'm always like, yeah. There's kind of like a, 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 like a cereal, like flakes. Did you get that? Like a cereal flavor in them? You mean like a, like a cornflake or something? Yeah, yeah. there's like a little cornflake flavor, yeah. but not in a not in a huh. like mass produced like kind of way. I just not get a General a, Mills type of way. It's kind of a creamy flavor mixed with a cornflake flavor. No, um, I I, I kind of agree with that I get I, I get the the, the cornflake sweetness. And then I get like a creaminess, and then it goes out to to a bitter flavor. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm noticing like the flavor profile like change in my mouth over time, which is actually pretty cool. There's a nice complexity there. Right. Um, the other beers were, you know, the flavors that they were, um, but this actually it seems to change a little bit over time, which is cool. Yes, yeah, as, as people kind of swing back from the extreme IPAs into the, the ale realm, the solid ale realm, it's like, oh, there's so many things that you can do with ales, and cream ales are one of them. Um, I I just hope it becomes a more kind of attractive thing. Like, yeah, I'll have a cream ale. Uh, Wacker just went on tap this Sunday at Capital Capital mm-hmm. Day with a cream ale that they think will be a regular offering. I think it's one of the best beers um, that they've actually made 
so far. It was very tasty. Yeah. I was a little bit too hungover to truly enjoy it, but yeah. it was very tasty. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, yeah. I I'm, hope it sticks around. I, I do as well. I mean, they are planning on at least assuming it sells relatively <laughs> reasonably enough to make that the Capital A cre- Capital Day Cream Elf, you know, going forward forever, yeah. um, which is a very nice touch for... Forever. It's an official holiday. It, I hear next year people, uh, city employees will get a day off work. The, the mayor is talking to the unions. He made no strict <laughs> promises, but he's really? going to talk to the unions. Matt pressed pretty hard. <laughs> he did not get the subtle hint of like, I don't have that authority, but I will attempt wow. to make it happen. Um, so yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, we, we, we caught up just in time as they were at the mayor's house and the mayor came out. It was pretty <laughs> There needs pretty to be a parade. Um, well, we they they marched from Telus <laughs> up and then they they marched back. So I think uh, Joe from Telus would be super happy with a parade. I think he'd love to to shut it down like the street uh, King Street saison and and do that as like a capital day festivities. But um, mm-hmm. this year was sort of the Ken Matt's celebration bring two hundred and fifty people to mm-hmm. Telus to do this. And if so, then next year it'll be bigger and better. So huh. did next- it bring two hundred fifty? It brought a lot. They played Celebrity Jeopardy, Celebrity Lancaster Jeopardy, and that backroom in Telus was pretty damn packed. Um, the problem is they had a very loud band. Um, that was a wonderful band, but I think most of the people who were hardcore um, Capital Day fans were pretty hungover from the night before. Mm. So I was sort of like, I'm going to stay in the back, and I'm going to go yeah. in the other room. I'm going to go home a little early because I was, I, was, I was roughing it. Yeah. After having woken up to the uh, hair of the dog that bit me, in Hell Farmstead terms, yeah, uh, I, w- I was not feeling it after um, all that drinking. It was a hell of a weekend. It really was. Well. Yeah, my birthday and all, you know. You got called out. <laughs> you, got the yeah. you got Indian food, cookies, an ice cream bar, all the beer you could drink free. Um, Happy belated birthday, well. Jesse. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this little taste of England. Uh, clearly, their beer scene is up and coming. We've sampled from Cloudwater Brewing Company, Moore Brewing Company, and Onsbach and Holiday Brewed right in London. Um, I do have to say that I was on the lookout when I was in Ireland for more beers to pack into my suitcase along with the sweaters. And uh, I was disappointed. Uh, in every case, Guinness was the way to go. It really does taste better over there. Uh, it's true what they say. And uh, it's just delicious. And when I did venture um, further afield and I got the local craft beer, um, it was underwhelming. Uh, I remember being in Galway and uh, I was like, what, what craft beer do you have on tap? And they're like, we have Galway's hookers. Uh, apparently, they're boats, they're hookers. These distinctive <laughs> boats that are docked in their harbor are called hookers. So I was like, sure, apprehensive all of a sudden. I'll try one of Galway's hookers. <laughs> and it was so-so. Uh, so I got scared off, and I stuck with the um, the Guinness. I do understand that there's some microbreweries that are coming up in Ireland, but their scene is a little bit behind mm. England. So hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll start to um, see it creeping up. Mm. Yeah, my understanding is that they are trying to fight to get back to like every pub have having every town having their own little pub that does their own little craft beer, but um, that it's been really hard to fight Guinness because they yeah. have such a stranglehold on the market over there. Yeah, it's so delicious, and it's like it's like being un-American to not go with Guinness over there. It's like being un-Irish. You're like, well, why? Why would I? Why would I do that? When we drove by the um, 
uh, one of the Guinness breweries, um, the guide was um, very emphatic about how much people loved their um, HR policies. When you had a job with Guinness, you had a job for life. It was good paying, mm. great benefits. Um, they were a company that took care of their own. So you were proud to be part of it. You were proud to go to the bar that had the Guinness sign out front. Um, and I think all of the art and the adoration um, is partly the taste and partly um, their their lovely family policies. Huh. Yeah. That's very nice. It's very, yeah, very wholesome. Heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I mean, Guinness is a good brewery. I mean, it's good beer. I'm not going to really complain. It's just... You know, I mean, it's better than in England. I don't know if you, in every bar that you went into in London, you saw that Foster's was sort of the mainstream beer on tap there. Oh, I agree that. And that sucks. Yeah, I mean, obviously you should have because <laughs> Foster's is not a great option. But uh, that's what I was really shocked by. It wasn't like there's some British beer that was, I mean, they have some that are mass market brews, but uh, it was weird that Foster's was freaking everywhere. Yeah. Like the Budweiser's of, of England was Foster's. That's I just noticed the crazy. Fuller's London Pride everywhere. Well, yeah, that too, but I just felt like, well, maybe I, I saw it more striking because it was Foster's everywhere, and I'm like, that's not even yeah. British. What the hell, you know? I'd be yeah. like having Molson in every bar in the United States is really weird. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh, hey, I did want to ask you guys what you think of cask beers. Um, you know, they're usually warmer than regular tap beers. Uh, 55 degrees Fahrenheit is what they're supposed to be served at. Um, unfiltered, um, you know... Uh, it, in in England, it's definitely the norm. Mm-hmm. Most beers are served from cask. Um, a lot of these new breweries um, mixed it up. Um, some were solely cask. Others were a whole mix. Um, you know, what do you think? Would you go for something on cask? Is it attractive to you? Or I loved it for the first five days, and then I really just wanted a cold carbonated yeah. uh, American IPA. But I think if I had a wider, like if these beers were being served on tap that were closer to the sort of American style of beer, I would have had more variety. But it was like most of the places when we were not specifically seeking out mm. craft beer, it was like, okay this bitter on cask was very close to this other bitter on cask. And I feel mm-hmm. like I was drinking the same beer everywhere I went yeah. versus having a variety. But, uh, in general, when I were here, when like uh bull's head has their cask fest or, um, uh, the fridge had a firk in the, uh, their uh, fourth annual customer appreciation stuff. I love hop on that stuff. I love mm. the change up of having it slightly carbonated, a little more silky smooth. Yeah. Um, and serving a little yeah. bit warmer, I feel like the nuances can, can really come out in a beer. So I'm a fan of it, just not for every beer that I want to drink ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, so it's Mike? slightly warmer and it's more carbonated? Is, is that the difference? Um, generally, it's less, less carbonated. carbonated. Oh, less carbonated. Right. Yeah. Huh. So instead of being served at like 45 degrees, it might be served at 55 degrees. Uh, and it's less carbonated and it's unfiltered. Um you really wouldn't want like a double IPA on cask. I mean, uh, it, it just wouldn't be good. <laughs> yeah. there, there's something about the um, acidity that um, the carbonation provides that I think enhances certain beers. I agree. Yeah. You want oh, you almost want that harshness on your tongue. I think the uh, carbonic acids that come out of the bubbles of the CO2 mm-hmm. really make the difference. Whereas, um, for especially for certain styles of beers, especially hoppier beers, right. But I feel like, um, I mean, Guinness is the perfect example where that mm. that nitrous, the nitrous uh, bubbles makes all the difference in terms of the flavor there. If you, so, what kind of beer works best then on casting? Just a regular ale? I a would, bitter. Yeah, they usually do the bitters. Uh, yeah, they work out nicely. Oh, uh, yeah, a solid ale goes really well on cask. Yeah. 
I mean, part of that is a, obviously it's a cultural style thing. You know, uh, British people are probably much more inclined because they grew up that way. That's what they're going to expect a beer to taste like. Whereas over here, we're so used to carbonated beers uh, and, to be honest, carbonated sodas yeah. and everything that we're more inclined that if you pour someone a thing, they're like, whoa, why does this taste kind of flat yeah. and be more off-putting? So it's all a cultural preference sort of thing. But it is nice to mix it up either way, especially for beers that... They might have a complexity of flavor, but it's hard to tell because you have the harshness of the the carbonated bubbles and it's served ice cold, so you mm. don't always get that flavor. I'm often surprised how I'll have a beer at the fridge and either think, oh, this is really good, and then as it warms, go, oh, God, this isn't really good, or the other way around where I drink it and go, eh, it doesn't really wow me, mm. and then by the end, I'm like, this beer is amazing because it's warming up to a point where you get the more similar notes right, out of it. Right, right. Yeah, it I is think, good to take your time and find out when a where a beer is best served at. You know what temperature it's best served at. Where where the flavors pop. Some breweries really go the extra mile and actually put that on there. Yeah. They say not yeah. only what glass you should be serving it out of, but like uh, what temperature too. And I think it'd be nice that actually if they put in some dark beers in casks. That's one beer I never really yeah. see in casks at all. Yeah. Like I've no, seen bitters, I've seen ales, I've seen IPAs even. But even like you said, they don't really work out. But yeah, porters would be great. Uh, stouts, yeah, why not? Yeah. You did have the great idea of that they should put like a thermometer on the side of a pint glass so you mm-hmm. can see what the temperature of the beer is inside and and basically it's have the, nice the inverse of the Coors can where rather than when it's Rocky Mountain ice cold it turns blue that you know yeah. it stoplight turns mm. green and says hey you're at the appropriate 55 <laughs> right. degree level now drink it not the it's one degree above freezing drink it so oh, you God. can't taste it yeah it has to be a marketing shtick when I was down in um, South America especially in Brazil. They're very proud. Like, they sell beer based upon how cold it is. And you want your beer to be extra cold. Muito geladinho. So mm. they have fridges on the street that have an LED readout of how cold it is. And if it's, like, in the negatives, that's, like, you know, it's it's really big. It's bright. Like, oh, this is ice cold beer. <laughs> like, that's what you want. Uh, you're hot, aren't you? You want your beer to be ice cold. And, of course, like, a cold beer... it. It masks any flavor. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, it goes, goes down cold. How refreshing. If it heats up at all, you're like, this is disgusting. Yeah. Like, get it get it out of here. That's how I feel about, like, Corona. If it comes, like, straight out of the freezer and it's, like, super cold, I'm like, yeah, this is a perfectly tolerable beer. If it's been sitting out in the sun for a while and then it's like, take a swig of this. <sighs> like, room temperature Corona is terrible. It's just <laughs> awful. Drink it fast before it goes bad. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so are you guys up for trying a couple more? Is this a beer podcast? <laughs> I'm game, but don't you have a beer versus beer? We do. How about one more? One more. One more. Uh, we'll do the small one. That way it's just a fourth of a beer. Um, so Mike will probably appreciate um, off-color brewing. It should sound really familiar Ooh, yes, after uh, Monday night. Um, we are not drinking the Apex Predator, which Damn. is amazing. That was very good. Yeah. Um, we are going with a beer of theirs called Fierce. So... Um, so the Apex Predator is a farmhouse ale that was just mind-blowing, but the Fierce is a Berliner Weiss. Um, so it is 3.8% ABV, and uh, it's described as um, a Weiss beer with a Napoleonic sour streak. What? So uh, mm. trouble. they describe it as Troublesome's meaner cousin will flail your tongue as hard as he can, but being such a little guy, you'll probably just pucker a bit. Spawned through an overnight kettle souring with our house lactobacillus culture, the wart emerges furious at what we did to it. Then, just because, we pitch a saison yeast and allow it to free rise to its 
further disdain. It comes out angrier, uh, angrier than, well, something really angry, but at 3.8% of you, there's no reason for you to be too afraid. Hmm. So this is available summer, fall, draft in bottles. It's IBUs is three-ish. So not a lot of bitter there. Interesting. It's made with uh, malts. Uh, the malts are pills, wheat, and flaked wheat. The hops are a little. And the secret <laughs> ingredients are lactobacillus and a Napoleon complex. <laughs> mm. So, uh, yeah, Off Color is really having fun with the descriptions on their website. Abel cool. was I, Air I saw Elba. <laughs> and where'd you get this beer? Uh, this was from uh, the beer cellar out oh, of, uh, what was it, um, Bennington? Oh, I heard they got some good pottery up in Bennington. <laughs> Quite right. No, oh, thank you. Wait, I think it was in Pennington. So, um, Off Color is some of the coolest uh, labels as well. They're uh, all black and white, but uh, they have um, artist illustrations on them. So, Fierce is a very tiny little mouse um, holding up what looks to be like a dandelion that has had all the seeds blown off of it, uh, which is quite cute. Yeah. Bennington, that's in the southwest corner? Yes. Of Vermont? Well, I don't know about south. It's Yeah, southwest. Yeah, southwest. Remember we went to that brewery together in Bennington? Burlington, maybe. Then. Burlington, Burlington is southeast. East, northwest. South. Burlington is northwest. Yep. Oh, I'm thinking of Brattleboro. That's southeast. All Burlington is northwest. Yeah, northwest. Yeah, That's what I said. Totally. And, then, and then Bennington, whatever it was, was southwest. southwest. Yep. Don't question Jesse. Yeah, because that's where we went. It's like right over the border, essentially. Yeah, there was a... Wasn't there... That was where... Uh, no, I'm an we idiot. Well, Waterbury, Vermont, which is close to, is... It's where... It's right across the street from um, Prohibition Pig. Did you get some though? I got some, yeah. Oh, okay. Bennington. Is that where the, there was a... I, I was... It's a little outside of Burlington in Waterbury, which is where the Provision Pig oh. is, close to um, the Alchemist and all that jazz, which is um, sort of central west of Vermont. So if that's the border here... Yeah, that's probably so, the yeah. yeah, I screw up Bennington and Burlington all the time. So yeah, that's... Uh, it's great. Um, this is... Looks exactly like a tartan spirit. It's very clear, oh, but it's wow. very light, light, light straw color, very light yellow. Just, Not a whole lot of head. I just like touching this label. I mean, it's a very pretty label, but like, did you actually like feel it? Oh, can I feel it's your label? It's like silky paper. <clears throat> the smell on this is definitely oh. interesting. Production values are so That's important. It's a nice sound when you rub your fingers across. It does, it. yeah. Rub your fingers across that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Smooth as a baby's bottom. Oh, I was talking about the You know, on the podcast, the we just go from but... sensual high to sensual high. You know, if it's not in our mouths, it's uh, on our fingertips. I'm tired yeah. of tasting beer. I just want to feel up the vessels <laughs> that come in. Like this can. It's very tactile, this podcast. <laughs> so there's a very unpleasant smell with a very sour smell behind it, um, which I actually really enjoy, but... We all, we all took E before the show. This can feels so cool. I'm not so much drinking it as I am experiencing it. <laughs> I don't think I have enough disco balls in this room for that. Wow, for a Berliner Weiss, it's actually really subtle. Yeah, it is a subtle Berliner Weiss. It's oh. it's really on the down low. Yeah, like you don't need any syrups for I, this. I wouldn't really call this fierce. I mean... Well, I think that's the joke, is that okay. it's got the Napoleonic complex, blah, 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 uh, and they're saying that it's, it's super angry, but it's not actually. It's why it's a little mouse. Um, this is actually super, I mean, sour, but very refreshing. Yeah, I it mean, is refreshing. This is a beer I would have, mm -hmm. like, a whole pint and not be like, I am suffering to get through the end of the glass because it's just too sour. This is actually really drinkable. Hmm. Life is good. Life is so good on this podcast. Cheers. And for a sessionable... Like a three percent ABV. This is this is probably watery. Might as well be uh, rehydrating right now. Yeah, right. 
This is actually really good. I do love my sours. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, off off, uh, off colors doing some pretty good things. Yeah, Illinois, right? Uh, yes, that is correct. Yeah, the Apex Predator was really great. I got Bond it for a dollar off. Chicagoland. Good old happy hour. Yeah. So I had a couple of these beers. I wish I would have grabbed the uh, the Troublesome, the their uh, Goza style beer, but I don't think they had it on the shelves at the time. Mm. Not a fan of that smell, but the, the taste is quite delicious. You should pair that with your Munster cheese. That's actually a really nice palate oh, cleanser. Oh my God. When I went to Hunger and Thirst, I was going to get us some cheese, like British oh. cheeses to go with the British beers, and oh. they closed at seven. I was like, ah. Oh. You bastards. Yeah, you bastards. Give me your cheese. All of your best cheese. Did you just do like a Boston accent for British? We should British? do more cheese pairings with I beer. agree. Jesse, <laughs> Jesse's on board. All right. Two. Yeah, it's half the podcast. This is certified. I mean, <laughs> if we just want to you know, eat some cheese, it, it just, you know, in between beers, uh, while drinking beer, yes. it just goes so well. Because when I go home to the little lady, what I really need is to be drunk and smell awful. <laughs> For me, what are you talking cheese. about? Cheese smells delicious. And Some you could bathe cheese. with beer. You should just put it on your hair and like work it in. Oh my gosh. Yeah, all those B vitamins, super nutritious. Oh yeah. My, Megan wasn't lying. My grandmother had said that she used to wash her hair in stale beer. Mm. Like she would wait for her father to be done, whatever, and then like wash it because she was told it was good. Like it, I said it is, but I think she was... My grandmother's a little nuts at times. Yeah, she washed with Maybe it. she's ahead of her time. I'm scar- scarce. She just took the beer into the shower and drank it to not seem <laughs> yeah. like the raging alcoholic that she was. Well, we used the uh, homebrew that we made that didn't come out so so good or is uh, like not carbonated. Sometimes it doesn't carbonate. Mm, yeah. You keep it in the basement and pull it out. To put it in like the slow cooker when we're doing pulled pork or something like that. Um, you know, That's just not idea. to waste it. It's still good. It still tastes okay. It's just generally uncarbonated or not awesome. But it would be good for, you know, filling up the bathtub, washing your hair. And if you guys want some, yeah, I have, I have plenty of uh, plenty of bad homebrew to go around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to start making some bad homebrew of my own. So. Yay! <laughs> Oh, that's discouraging. <laughs> it's like a rite of passage. <laughs> no, I want to start off with something that's you know reinforcing. They're like, oh, okay. well, that sucked. Is it, have you figured out what it's going to be? No idea. I've 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 not even unwrapped everything yet. In fact, there was the the little spigot thing that goes on the bucket. I can't even screw it in. I was going to get you guys to figure out how that works. Oh yeah, we'll been there, that done out. that. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we should maybe slow down on beer. And move to our next segment where we drink more beer. Oh, good idea. Beer versus beer, the British edition. Beer versus beer. Mike and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter, one beer leaves. So since Emily's finally back from her travels all over the world, um, specifically visiting the magical and mysterious Stonehenge, mm-hmm. uh, Mike and I thought we would uh, honor your trip across the pond. Stonehenge! <laughs> by pitting British beer against British beer. 
However, this is a surprisingly difficult uh, competition, seeing as um, not a lot of British beer makes it over here. No, um, not really. No. Not as much as you... Yeah. Not consistently, anyway. I've mm-hmm. seen meantime beers here now and again, and considering the number of Belgians, Germans, uh, I've seen all manner of, of crazy beers uh, that are in the uh, overseas section, but uh, as Emily said, I think uh, the UK is playing a game of catch-up, where... Um, you can go and have Shai Mei pretty much anywhere you want, mm-hmm. or Duval, or Oval, or any of these beers. Um, but finding a authentic London-based or even British-based beer is actually pretty damn hard. So yeah. Mike and I Quips came up... is the best place in town for it, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, probably. probably, yeah. 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 But not in bottles, which is no. a distinctive problem. No. So uh, Mike and I went, did the best we could, and so we're we're going to have two staples of the larger scale breweries yep. from Britain. Looks like it's going to be a good old fashioned Samuel Smith off. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. That's man. what we get. It's a good brewery. It is. It is. And it has the the Lancaster Rose on it. Yes. Well, they both, yep. Yes. Brought the same beer. It does. No, not the same beer. Just uh, two years from the same brewery. Mike, uh... You probably want to go first, right? You got the lager, right? Yeah, it's probably smart. So, my beer... Well, we'll start pouring. It's a nice sound. <laughs> and they do live well. Now, the song Happy Birthday we can put on this podcast, but I don't know yes, about that one. You're going to have some copyright issues. Um, so I decided to bring a Sammy Smith's uh, Pure Brewed Organic Lager Beer. So this is actually um, pretty cool. Uh, Sammy Smith's been around for a huge long time, and they are actually USDA certified as organic, which is pretty cool. So this is uh, just their... Regular old lager, um, nothing special, nothing fancy, but uh, it's 5% alcohol by volume. And um, it's brewed with great care using only organic malted barley, organic hops, a medium soft water. I like that they describe it as medium soft. So yeah, this is actually um, a very nice beer. Lagering, of course, is a bit more expensive because you have to take that longer process in order to ferment it. So not a lot of places do that. Um, lagers, um, well, except the irony being these days that hops are so goddamn expensive that IPAs and double IPAs are becoming just as expensive as sitting around lagering stuff. But um, Samuel Smith's been around for a very, very long time, and uh, their organic chocolate stout's delicious. Um, Mike's beer is also very tasty, and this lager is probably one of my um, favorite lagers around, to be honest. So why is it not? Why is it not a soft G like a lager? Lager, because <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> Lager. Lager. Why is the sky blue? <laughs> it's got a very, very nice smell to it. Um, it's not overly potent on smell, but it smells like a just a, a neutral beer smell. Mm. Yeah, very little, sweet. Little very sweet. sweet in taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Von Trapp Brewery in Vermont is all loggers. It's the Von Trapp family from uh, The Sound of Music. They actually moved there. And <laughs> is that where this. the train took them when they went over the mountain? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they went over the mountain <laughs> and then across the, the pond. And, and they ended up on the most beautiful mountainside in Vermont <laughs> where they only brew loggers. It's so incredible. Salzburg loggers. There's not too many breweries that go all in on loggers. I just thought that they had some uh, schutzpah. No, it's... 
It, for me, loggers have yeah. always and forever been like, you know, Yingling. But the problem is, I don't think Yingling is particularly brilliant at being a, you know, it's a logger, but it's not exactly the best logger yeah. around. But since it's, I drank so much of it dr- growing up, it's sort of like, well, this is what this is what loggers taste like. And it's like, no, not no. Re- really. Mm. It's like our kid. We're like, yeah, he does well. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what? He continues to live <laughs> yeah, right. somewhere out there. What? In other people's mouths. Seas, our, our, our what? child. It's Who like, are you talking about? Oh, Yingling. Oh. Like, it's our beer, so yeah. we have to hype it because it's like your kid. No one goes yeah. around going, my kid's an idiot and our deserves... Our half-Chinese child. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yingling. <laughs> Woo, got, A lot of people have uh, said that. It's true. I have heard yeah. stories about people asking for Yingling and other bars and bartenders being like, we don't serve Chinese beers here. So you're not too far off, but... Um, still I'm not trying to bring up the race card. Well, well, don't worry, we're in an hour and a half into the podcast right now, so no one has been listening this long. Yeah, everybody dropped out. At this point in time. But no, it is. Mike's right; it's sweet, but there is a bit of a of a harshness at the you know, oh, yeah. bitterness at the end, which balances it out pretty nice. Um, for the most part, you know, it's just a quality lager. I'm not gonna write home to my mom about it, but it's pretty damn delicious. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a lager. It's solid. I would drink it on cask. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would too. Although that might bring out the sweetness a little even more. Yeah. I don't know if I'd care for that. One of my favorite parts about this, the beer versus beer part, yeah. is that like each person like subtly tries to like compliment their beer. Like, this is great. You should love this. And they're like, well, this is kind of sweet. And, you know, <laughs> I'm glad, you know... No, I don't want to, to emphasize that part that I don't like. You know, so it's like you kind of subtly downplay it in a little bit. And he, you know, promotes yeah. his lager. We really don't <laughs> shit talk as much as we really should. Most, yeah. Mostly, I mean, that does happen. But every now and again, it's like, holy God, either both beers or one of the beers is clearly amazing. And then it's like, well, my beer is not ass, but it's certainly yeah. not what Mike brought, you know. And then, <laughs> and, and then it's pretty obvious what the decision is. Well, yeah, you mean. guys are kind of just like politely kind of like... It's a little. I learned my lesson, Jesse. You're when I said British you enjoyed having hot Italian sausage in your mouth, you immediately disqualified my beer. So, mm. <laughs> wait, where, where's the hot Italian sausage? We did a pizza pairing once, yeah. and, uh, oh. and so we had a sausage pizza there, and mm. he was totally leaning very obviously towards my beer. And I said, Jesse, you just love that hot Italian sausage in your mouth. And he goes, All right, go for Mike's beer. Wow. Totally just said, yeah. Screw the quality of the beer. Wow. I'm just punishing Rob for a, for a quip, and uh, I've learned to temper myself for now. <laughs> you have to tell, talk about how good my how, how, how beautiful my eyes are again that's what happens when you fuck Speak a stranger in the ass yes. sausage. Yeah. <laughs> see what happens Rob right by the in and out burger yep every episode it's gonna be a big Lebowski <laughs> we should get some seriously like super super deep cuts in there and having, having a game Pick out all of the Big Lebowski quotes in our episodes, yeah. as well as Star Trek, Simpsons, and Harry Potter, and Win Yourself a Prize. Not nearly enough Harry Potter, though. Yeah, there should yeah. be more Harry Potter in this podcast. I'd actually have to read the books, though. Harry, Harry, Harry Butthole Poophead Potter. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, that was uncalled for. That's, that's from South Park, actually. <laughs> I didn't see that episode. Oh, that's when they actually... They're playing Lord of the Rings, and they run into some other kids from another town, and they're like, what the hell are you doing? It was playing Star Wars, I thought. 
Mm-mm. No, they were playing Lord of the Rings. No, they were playing Lord of the Rings, but yeah. I thought it was like some Star Wars, like kid was dressed up. Was oh, it? I hate it when they Maybe pit Lord episode. of the Rings against no, no, Harry there were, Potter. There were kids, but they brought them in to be, there were South Park kids, and like a couple of them wanted to play Star Trek or Star Wars, and they brought them in to be Lord of the Rings. But I thought that's, it wasn't Harry Potter, it was Lord of the Star Trek. But Mike's saying like they ran the kids from another town. Oh, yeah. It's like oh, turning the playing. same group of nerds against yeah. each other. It's just not a fair fight. <laughs> we should all be friends and play Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. I know. They didn't play nice no. stuff. Gandalf and Dumbledore, <laughs> you know, shaking hands across the the Quidditch field. We saw kids playing Quidditch on the FNM campus yeah, the other day. Uh, you see that? Yeah. Who would win? If you can't fly, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> well, he's, to he's awkwardly hold a broom in between your leg as you run down the field at a kid who's supposed to be the snitch. Doesn't that rugby. sound like fun? Do they wear play like a rugby, yellow leotard? There are perfectly legitimate sports that already exist that you can play. Fine, if you See, want to go back. Why play a shitty version of a, of a game yeah. that doesn't exist because you can't goddamn fly? Well, then go back to the library and study your books. Hopefully one of them is a Harry Potter novel. I feel like as a guy, I would not want to play Quidditch because you're bound to take a broom, stick right through the balls. I mean, someone's going to run full force into you, and there's going to be mm. some damage. How's that different from any other sport? Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's a, a very long, hard Yeah, it's not like you point. keep a long, hard point thing right between your legs like that. What about hockey? What no, about... That's, that's or you a... might get gored from behind, too, you know? you might. Oh, God. Yeah, Yeah, but you'd be Are flying you to, like, on a broom. steal other people's brooms and, like, run away? <laughs> That'd be great. You can't do anything because you're not flying anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it does in actuality. Without magic, it seems kind of lame, but... I admire their spirit. I still say the best part of that fake sport would be if the spectators are allowed to have paintball guns and cast spells at mm. the players running around the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as they're going <gasps> in, and just about to catch this. this Come on, you just paintballed <laughs> the with paintballs. I think you just came up with a solution to solve baseball's problem. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The views of Atlantis do not represent the views of all podcasts. Actually, baseball is kind of boring. No, I like that idea of paintball. Originally, I was thinking just put some wild animals, like just put an alligator in like That's right a great field idea. And just like have them have to deal with an alligator, a few crocodiles out wow. there. Wow. The, the, I like, mean, just the some Romans wild animals. Like, oh, shoot, there was that zebra running around. We just have to deal with this random zebra. That'll make the game the interesting. This, this was from after watching that uh, that uh, monkey uh, rodeo, remember? Cowboy no, yeah. yeah, yeah, monkey rodeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, wow, what happens if they were there during the game? Yeah. Like, and they're just running, randomly running around. Wouldn't that make baseball. Yeah, Interesting. it would. Mike and I were talking the other night, late at night, about the Mayan ball game, and we oh. were trying to remember what the rules were. Like the long and short of it is that everyone dies. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The yeah, winning game. team, I think, is sacrificed. I think the losing team is sacrificed, and you're only allowed to use your no, elbows. No, they're and killed. Even... The winning team is like sacrificed to like the great god. They die honorably. Because, yeah, they they won. But no, they they killed the winners too. That's why I was just like. It's the worst game in the world. And also, it's got, it's got that weird, like, vertically oriented, like, hoop. Oh, and yeah, the ball, like, I can't even imagine how you would get the ball through that. It, it seems impossibly hard and everyone dies. People it's play the most hardcore game that's ever been invented. And so I feel like if you can do that, then knocking a ball with your elbow or oh, knee. Oh, that's like hacky a, sack light, Rob. Through a hoop on the side. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Volleyball? Like a giant volleyball? No, no. A little tiny <laughs> volleyball. You probably, <laughs> have, you not, have you not seen the foot, like the no. hacky sack volleyball? There's it's a, crazy. People I've do seen a hacky flips. sack, but not a tiny. Tiny hacky um, sack sized volleyball. Sh- this guy 
goddamn hippies. What will they come up with? This? First of all, Mike's got to get to his beer, and then we can look at weird sports that exist that are incredibly impressive. We tr- okay, we try I to... also have to sh- show you this video. Uh, oh, do God. you know Elvis? Elvis? Yeah. People, yeah, sure. People can't see videos on the podcast. He's, uh... So, it, Mike, tell us like, about your beer. We're not, we're not a vidcast. All right, so we had a, a decent lager. Let's do a decent uh, porter. So we got the famous, their words, Teddy Porter by Samuel Smith. A very dark, full-bodied ale with a rich, creamy head and an intense, Teddy. dry, tangy character. Brewed with well water. <laughs> All right, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's different from All the right, medium the market, soft water. The already lost me. Maybe the, yeah, it's a <laughs> malted barley, roasted malt, yeast, and hops fermented in. Quote, Stone Yorkshire Square. All right, fuck this. I'm just... just <laughs> I want to know. Do, Cheers does it, to you. Does it remind you of sticky pudding? Yeah, I think that says on the on the, the very last sentence. Come bring me a right. sticky pudding. Come bring me a sticky pudding. Figgy. And bring it right here. Um, I, I feel already, like... I still have should, should I give you a half and half? I'll share with that. Sure you share with that. Oh, yeah. So very dark. <laughs> we won't stop until we get some. We won't stop until we get some. We reach that point in the night some. where we're just yeah. yeah it's, I've combined uh, the tatty porter with the lager. It's happened. It smells very sweet. It's a very dark color, nice uh, chocolatey head. Being drunk by porters in the fish, meat, and other produce markets. Oh, that's very mm. apropos. They're great together. Jesse, you might want to compare both of them and then Is compare the beer? combination. This will be my entry. Okay. Yeah, that'll be your entry. Okay. <laughs> We're both drinking drinking York beers, by the way. York, yeah. yeah. Samuel Smith's from Yorkshire. They're York, they're white York, roses. Yorkshire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not York PA. York PA blows. <laughs> yeah, I, when I was considering the Yards Revolution beers for the beers with the, the Queen, I did not go with them because it mm. reminded me of the York baseball yeah. team. That, mm. Yeah, York so I was like, no, I'm dick. not even doing something from Philadelphia that reminds me of that. Oh, there's actually a very nice toffee flavor to this. Yeah. It's a uh, very very light. Uh-huh. Um, the mouth feels the mouth feel is very light. Um, it's a I don't know. I like it, but uh, it's definitely a porter. People people ask what's the difference between a porter and a stout. It's it's you know this is a good example of, of what a porter should actually taste like. Where yeah. you take a stout and watering it down seems too derogatory. No, stouts um, are usually drier. Th- that's a that's a good way to. Put it. Um, so but I don't want to make it seem like. There are sweet stouts and milk stouts and dry stouts. And yeah. Irish stouts. When you get into it, there's a whole spectrum. That's it's, true. I think it's just strength. So it right. goes back to when beers were brewed and uh, it was all the same wort and they were just doing first running, second running. So like the strongest beer would be the stout. Um, it right. used to be called like extra strong, those things, just because of the intensity. So yeah, sweeter, there was more shilling. to ferment. Viscous yeah. was yeah. what I was looking for. It's less viscous right than on. a stout. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is actually highly drinkable. Um, yeah, I was I was looking for maybe like a chocolate flavor, but I think toffee is really where you're coming for. And it's sort of the primary flavor of here. Yeah, definitely yeah, a, nice. a creamy, creamy toffee flavor. Uh, good dessert beer, actually. Malty sweetness, yeah. Uh-huh. And then Emily's bringing a latecomer combination of the black and tan, which, while it may seem disgusting, um, actually black and tan is really popular. In fact, Yingling's black and tan, which is a combination of their porter and their lager, is very, very. I don't think anything happens in this beer. <laughs> so no, 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 Mike, it, I was giving it to you to oh, try. Is it neutral? Yeah. I think they're, it just like uh, it just neutralizes. It's, it's good. You try it, and you're like, wait, where yeah. did any of the flavors go? Yeah, it just cancels each other. Did I tell you about the time that I convinced Pete to give me? Uh, a pour of all of the Lancaster Brewing Company beers in one 
glass. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting, Rob? It just goes away. Wow, that is really fascinating. Like, none of the beer, it didn't happen. Because <laughs> I really like Yingling's Black and Tan, and that is like the closest thing to water that I've had in a beer. <laughs> I mean, really, it is It is like the color white of beer. It's really weird. You it's, should just wash your hair in it. <laughs> so it's I'd be comfortable for. with that. So right? how did that all of Lancaster beer go? I thought it was really uh, quite good. I thought it was better than many of Lancaster Brewing Company's beers individually. <laughs> oh snap! Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah, I think I think it if really. Here's Landis. Do not resent. <laughs> Save the honesty for uh, 103 minutes into the podcast. Better than like the it, like the their bottom 10. percent I was I I found it to be surprisingly drinkable. Janine would agree with me. You can ask her about it. We we actually ended up drinking all of it. Uh, although Pete was disgusted. He was like, I'll do this for you guys. But after one sip, he was like, buh, buh. Yeah, I can imagine. It helped, it, it tasted like a Celtic hog. Ew. What? <laughs> no, is that like no, bacon a, or a, ham or sausage? It tasted like or? a Celtic milk hog. That's what it tasted mm, like. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Jesse, it's uh, not really up to uh, Emily to decide how gross combining <laughs> 17 beers together is. It's up to... You decide of the three beers you just had, which one you find superior. All right, so uh, I think I like Mike's more. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mike. I have to agree. I also agree. So we're all in agreement. Woo! Taddy Porter, the famous Taddy Porter, wins. Right. Um, as porters go, I think it's a fair representation of a porter, but um, definitely probably not my favorite. Is like a, a strong. Contender for like what would be the best porter that I've had. Okay. Um, it's very like dessert porter. It's it's so yeah. toffee. I mean, it, it really is like you know best in small portions or with like a creme brulee yeah. as a dessert. Yeah, creme brulee would that be very nice. Mm. Plus, it's got that gold foil on the top. Can't get wrong with that. It's true. <laughs> That's what drew me to this beer the, the gold first time. Signifies like, fanciness. Uh, one of the first gosh. craft beers I've ever had. I was like, wow, gold foil. It must be good. <laughs> um, no, you gotta go for the silver, like the delirium tremens. And oh, then you really, I think that's well, that, they got the blue foil too. Oh, that's right. Maybe it is blue foil. Again, I think that's what drew me to that beer too. I was big into foil beers in my early days. <laughs> First so, this beer is last. $20 and has foil on top. And you yep, know it's gonna be good. Sold. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Mike. It's a, it's a good win. Thank um, you. Basically, I want to tell all the distributors out there who may or may not be listening that you need to bring more British beers to America because uh, it was pretty hard to find. We'd a like selection. to appreciate the beers of your godforsaken island. Yeah, but exactly. I can only lug so many overweight luggage pieces back to the United States. Mm. We're going to have to start an international beer smuggling <laughs> syndicate in order to get good beer over here for heaven's sakes. Um, that was hypothetical, and in no way should be considered a serious statement. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we take ourselves so seriously. Here. So many disclaimers. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna get a rowboat and like, all right, we're gonna bring it across the Atlantic. <laughs> rowboat. Our thousands of listeners are totally offended and they're gonna sue us, Rob. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that rowboat a the USS Titanic. Yes. And we'll see how well that goes <laughs> as we try to uh, circumnavigate the globe. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to our obscenely long, incredibly drunken ramblings of our British Beer Festival. Um, while uh, the Great American Beer Fest is awesome, the Great British Beer Fest is also equally impressive. And if you're ever in London at the time that it's going on, I 
Uh, seriously suggest you check it out. Join us next week for another exciting sample episode. We haven't quite figured out exactly what we're going to do, but I think it'll be amazing. It may just be part two of all of the goddamn <laughs> beers from all over mm. the goddamn world. So thanks for listening. And as always, keep on drinking even British beers. That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and keep drinking. 